Look out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. I'm your humble host, David Vignola. This is episode number 47. And this week, we're going to do something actually a little different. I'm actually going to answer some of the questions that you guys have been writing in over the last several weeks. You're asking me some questions, and a lot of these questions come up multiple times. So this week is all going to be dedicated to the mailbag, and we're going to answer some of the questions and uh, give you some advice along the way. So that's what we're going to do this week. So if you ever have a question for me, you can email it to me at info at homerecordingmadeeasy.com, and I'd be glad to get it into one of the podcast episodes. So sit back, relax, get a cool drink, and let's listen to some of the answers I have to some of your questions that you frequently ask me right here on the home recording made easy.com podcast. Well, 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 everyone, thank you for joining me for another episode here at the home recording made easy.com podcast. As I said, in the little intro here, this is episode number 47. And so this week we're going to dedicate everything to the mailbag. We're going to call this a mailbag episode. Actually, we're going to do a few of these over the next several weeks because I have lots of questions that come in. I constantly will use those questions as inspiration for not only YouTube videos that I create on the YouTube channel over at Home Recording Made Easy. Uh, links will be in the show notes below. But also now to also use for some of our podcast episodes because when I get the same question a handful of times, even though I've answered these questions many times, we have a lot of new listeners here at the podcast. We have a lot of new members at the homerecordingmadeeasy.com website and a lot of new subscribers on the YouTube. We're growing each and every day. And I want to say welcome to all of our new listeners, our new members, new students. Welcome to our family. I hope that this information is helpful to you. Make sure you check the show notes below for all the links that'll give you even additional free training here at Home Recording Made Easy, starting off with homerecordingmadeeasy.com. Make sure you go there. And if you're not, if you did not pick up the free mixing course, it's on my website, go pick it up. It's right on the homepage. It's worth 50 bucks. It's my gift to you just for visiting Home Recording Made Easy. And once you're there, you want to check out some of my other paid training courses. I promise you they will absolutely help you make better productions in your home studio. And if you stick around to the end of this podcast episode, I'm going to give you a special coupon code that you can get a discount on any of my paid training. So that's the first training source you want to check out. The second one is the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash home recording made easy. There's probably close to 800 videos there on everything from recording to mixing to mastering to gear reviews, plug-in demos, uh, everything from talking about computers and specs and computer setups and everything home recorded related, home studio related is there at the home recording made easy YouTube channel. And make sure you are subscribed there and you hit the little notification bell. Okay, the other place you can check me out, again, links will be in the show notes below. If you really like the craft of mixing, which is the bulk of what I do these days, you can also check out mixingmadeeasy.net, which is my mixing membership website, which is an awesome resource if you really enjoy mixing, whether you want to just make the best mixes possible for your own productions, or if you ever want to work for other clients or bandmates and you know, local bands or artists, and you want to make some extra cash on the side to support your studio habit <laughs> and buying new equipment and gear and such, MixingMadeEasy.net's for you. And then by the time you listen to this episode, there's another YouTube channel, a second YouTube channel called Mixing Music Analog, which is all about hybrid mixing, using an analog console, hardware and such. Go to YouTube.com slash Mixing Music Analog, and you can subscribe there as well as well as mixingmusicanalog.com. So all of the resources that I just gave you that are in the show notes is all free, for the most part, all free. Go take advantage of that stuff. 
Okay, so that's where you want to uh, go check it out if you're someone that is new here. So let's talk about the mailbag. So let's get jump right into the first question. I'm going to read the question verbatim and answer it for you. So this comes from Michael Herbert. Michael, thank you for writing in. Hello, Mr. Vignola. I have completed your beginner's guide to Studio One course, and I'm working on EQ and compression course before I begin the mixing course that I've purchased. Overall, I'm impressed with the course, and I am learning a lot. Thank you. Well, thank you, Michael, so much for purchasing the course and for the support, and I'm glad that it is helping you. Awesome. You're going, you're, you're, you've, you've purchased the foundation courses, EQ, compression, and now you're going to be working in your mixing course, which is great. He, go out, he goes on to say, I'm currently using an older laptop and I'm considering replacing it and was wondering what you recommend I look for in a new PC computer. I, I can use either a desktop or a laptop and I am running Studio One 5 with, PreSonus, with a PreSonus 24C audio interface. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, Michael, for writing in again. Thank you so much for the support. Um, talk about computer specs. This is a question that comes up an awful lot. I've even have a whole podcast episode dedicated to this topic. I think it's episode four or six talking about computer upgrades. You want to go listen to that podcast where I'll get a little bit deeper than I'll get here today. And I've also talked on the YouTube channel quite a bit over the years about computer specs. So if you have an older laptop and you're considering replacing it, what would I recommend? Okay. Now you're talking about, you say specifically a new PC computer. So I, I would assume you are talking about windows, which I'm a Mac user, but windows will work just fine. If that's what you want to do. If you don't, if you don't care about Mac or PC and you really want to get something that's super affordable, that's a killer computer for the money, you know, you can check out the new Mac mini, um, M1 processors. I have one of those that I use on my other, in my analog workstation. And it, it's unbelievable for 800 bucks, the speed in which, and the efficiency in which you can get with a little Mac mini computer is unbelievable. So if you are, if you don't care about Mac or PC, I always recommend Mac always not that you can't do stuff on PC. I'm a Mac user. Mac is more stable. Mac doesn't have all the windows issues. The finickiness, 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 the finickiness, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not as finicky as Mac, but I have a lot of students that are PC users that are into windows and are into tweakability of windows and they understand how to optimize it and all that stuff. And they have no problems. So I'm not saying you can't use windows. Of course you can't, but if you want more of a plug and play atmosphere, if you're not um, computer literate in the technical side all that much, or you don't want to be bothered, I would recommend the Mac. And today you can get a Mac, as I said, a Mac mini. You just have to supply your own little computer monitor. You said you didn't, you can use either a desktop or a laptop. I would go with a Mac mini um, M1 processor for 800 bucks. You can't go wrong, but let's say you're talking about a PC. Okay. As the record, as of the recording of this podcast, we're at windows 10 now, and that's what you're going to end up buying something with windows 10. As far as the specs go, here's what you want to pay attention to. First thing I got to ask is you got to ask, what am I using this computer for? Hopefully it's a dedicated computer to your studio. And it's not just a multi-purpose computer and recording is kind of an afterthought because um, you don't want to clog up that computer with any more things than you really have to, to keep it running at its most efficient and optimal way. But things you want to look for is you want to look for a processor speed, obviously memory and um, hard drive space. So here's what I would tell you. I would tell you, and again, I'm not too familiar with the Intel processors in Windows anymore, but you want to get something that is the minimum of what would be considered maybe a, a six core or an eight core processor or better, something with at least a three gigahertz processor 
That's what I would tell you. And again, I'm not too familiar with all the internal specs. I'm not too techy when it comes to the Intel processors. I just know that you want something that's at least a six or an eight core today. Almost everything is either an i7 processor, something that's three gigahertz uh, processor speed or better. Um, that's what I would get minimum. Now, as far as RAM goes, here's the thing I'll tell you about RAM. I always tell everyone a minimum of 16 gigs. If you can do 32 gigs of RAM, go ahead and do it only because RAM is one of the cheapest things that you can do to upgrade your computer. Now for just processing, recording audio and mixing audio, if you're not doing massive sessions, just, you know, recording, say guitar, bass, drums, those kinds of things, you could get away with 16 gigs. You can even get away with eight gigs. But when you start talking about using lots of plugins and, and specifically virtual instruments, VST instruments, okay, those will take up and will require a lot more memory. And so that's why I say, if you could get 32 gigs, get 32 gigs. If you could put 64 gigs in your machine, put 64 gigs, because it's one of the cheapest things that you can buy. Now, if you're buying like a PC desktop where you can open up the case, you can, you can um, upgrade the memory over time yourself very inexpensively. With some of the Mac computers, depending on which ones you buy, especially we talk a little bit about the Mac Mini, the M1, the memory is, I think, a part of, uh, of solder to the motherboard. So you just can't upgrade them the way you used to. And so therefore, you want to buy at a time of purchase the most you can buy. I can tell you I have 16 gigs of my new Mac M1, which I think is an eight-core processor, and the thing freaking flies. Unbelievable. You don't need to ever upgrade beyond that. So that's what you want to look for. You want to look for 16 gigs of memory. If you can get more, get more, especially if you're using heavy VST instruments. Okay. All right. A lot of VST instruments. Um, and, and that's what I would, those are the main things I would look for. Processor speed. Oh, and then hard drive space. Obviously you want something with a solid state drive today. You'd be hard pressed to find things that are new that are not solid state drive. How big does the drive need to be? Well, again, that goes back to, are you using this just for your recording studio? Are you using this as a more of a multi-purpose computer where you're going to have a lot of other applications and data and spreadsheets and stuff? But in any event, I would say you want a minimum of a 500 gigabyte SSD drive for all the applications. If you can get a terabyte, get a terabyte. Again, especially if you don't have the ability to upgrade the internal drive, depending on the computer that you're purchasing, you may want to spend a little bit more on the front end so you don't ever have to worry about it. And again, depending on the computer, it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's not a big, a real big cost, maybe a hundred bucks or 200 bucks to go from a 500 gig drive to a one terabyte. And you can go larger depending on your budget and what you're going to plan to do. If you're going to be doing things like video editing and stuff, you want maybe even a larger drive. Um, so you want something with an SSD, 500 gigs minimum, I would say one terabyte would be more preferable. Now, the other thing you want to consider too, again, if you're using this just for your recording studio, you may also want to consider an external solid state drive via either USB-A or USB-C, depending on the computer that you purchase, maybe a 500 gig or a one terabyte, where you can store all your recording studio, all your recording sessions, and you can run all your sessions from that external hard drive. That'll give you the ability to maybe have a little bit of a smaller drive as your main drive. And kind of the, the, the rule of thumb is, and again, this is not gospel. This is just the kind of the way I do it. You can have all, you want all of your applications, Studio One, all your plugins, all that stuff. You want all that stuff on your internal 
drive to your computer. And then you want to run your sessions from an external drive or a secondary drive if you can. And if you get an SSD drive, you can easily do that. You're also going to want to keep any loops or library sound samples. And those things can get quite large. You may want to put those on an external drive as well. So you don't have to have a have you don't have to have a you don't have to have a massive internal hard drive. Okay, so those are the things that I would look for. The three things that you really want to look for is the processor and the speed, get the fastest processor and the most amount of cores that you can, get a minimum of 16 gigs of RAM. And again, I would get more if you can, because it won't hurt you, it will only help you. And then your internal hard drive, 500 gigs internal hard drive with, with an external drive, minimum SSD. If you can get a one terabyte drive, that'll be even better and therefore that'll help you with any kind of not only storage issues and performance issues but then also some of the things that we're going to talk about in one of the next questions coming up in this episode about cracks and pops and cpu and all that other stuff so if you get a highly specced computer or the highest spec computer you can afford you won't have all the technical problems Okay, a lot of people skimp out on the on the computer and what they real don't realize or what they tend to forget is is that the computer is the heartbeat of your recording studio. You wanna be able to come in, sit down and start working. You don't wanna come in, sit down, load up a session or plugging your instruments or whatever you wanna do and then having all kinds of technical problems with the computer because it's not optimized for what you wanna do. So I always tell everyone, if you can, again, I don't know what your budget is, Michael, but whatever computer you, whatever you think you can buy, whatever you wanna buy this time, try to buy not the computer that you're looking to buy now. What would be the computer after that? spec wise. You know what I mean? Spend a little extra money, get yourself a computer that's going to last you at least five years and you will not be uh, unhappy with that purchase. And there's lots of ways that you can finance things today. If you're going to be purchasing a PC, the other thing you can do is go to sweetwater.com. Link will be in the description box below. And that is an affiliate link. So if you purchase something from them, I do get a small commission, but you don't pay anymore. They have PC only Windows PC computers that they custom build that are optimized for computer, for rec uh, home recording, um, you know, uh, productions for, for, for audio production. They optimize it. They spec it out. They give you all the, all the things that I just talked about for the last eight minutes and they custom build a PC at a very affordable price with all the things that you need and they'll install all your operating systems, everything, set everything up. So when you get it at home, you just plug and play and you're off recording and you don't have to be a technical wizard. That's the thing you should do if you're buying a PC Windows. And what's better, what's even great about that is you have their support for a full two years. So if something goes wrong, if you're having a technical issue, they will help you right on the phone, log into your computer remotely and be able to help you with your issue, which is a huge thing if you're not a computer nerd, <laughs> right? So click the link in the show notes below. Go out to sweetwater.com and just search creation station. They have three or four different levels of computers, depending on your budget and your specs, and you'll be able to get everything that you need from them. So that's what I would tell you to do, Michael. Okay. So that is Michael's question. Thank you so much for writing in. Now let's get to another computer question here. This comes in from Adam. This will kind of, is a nice segue. It says, hi there. I saw one, uh, saw your YouTube video on crackle cracks and pops in PreSona studio one. I'm wondering if you can help me out. I've known about the buffer size trick for a while now. I set it to 128 for recording and as high as possible for mixing. And, and I'm doing that, but I'm repeatedly getting cracks on this Hammond track that I've recorded. He has a Hammond organ, I guess. And it take, 
and the take is perfect, so I don't want to redo it. Any advice would be appreciated. Adam, well, Adam, thanks for writing in. Okay, so he's talking about crackles and pops and audio artifacts that you get from an underspec computer. Happens all the time. That's why I tell you, make sure you get enough RAM, make sure you get a fast processor, make sure you have an optimized, it's optimized and hopefully dedicated to just using in your recording studio so the computer's not cluttered up with a bunch of garbage to kind of drag down the performance. Because if you don't do that, you're gonna, you're gonna experience these cracks and pops. Now in this case, I don't know that it's an underspec computer, although he didn't tell me what his computer specs is, but he said this is specific to a Hammond track that he recorded. So I don't know if this Hammond organ was a VST instrument that he recorded, Adam. I don't know if it's a real organ that you recorded with a microphone. And if you're getting these random cracks and pops and you've adjusted your buffer size, a couple of things are going could be going on here. One, if you if it's not a VST instrument and you recorded an audio track of this live organ and you're getting cracks on it, I wonder if you recorded it too high and it's actually digital distortion that you're getting. What were your recording levels when you recorded this? Did you record it at a negative 12 dB as I instruct in all of my different YouTube videos and training courses? If you recorded it too hot and you have digital clipping, there's no way to get rid of that, sorry. Okay, this is why you have to understand basic fundamentals of recording. If this is a VST instrument, that's a Hammond track that you have a perfect take on, it could be, again, if the VST instrument is now loaded into your session, and again, you didn't talk, you didn't tell me the specs of your computer, it could be that that VST instrument is bogging down your CPU so much that you're getting these, these uh, random cracks and pops, okay? So because your, your email wasn't specific enough, that's what you have to, we have to know one of those two things. So first and foremost, if it's a VST instrument that's causing this issue and you've already set your buffer size and stuff and you don't have a highly specced computer, what you can do is you can take that in Studio One, you can transform, because you probably recorded MIDI notes. If it's a VST, you recorded MIDI. You can transform that to an audio track and then remove the instrument from your session. That would be the first thing I would try and see if, if that helps. Um, also make sure that you didn't, even if it's a VST instrument, make sure you did not record the thing too hot and you don't have digital distortion that, that maybe that's what you're hearing as well. Okay. Again, if this was an organic instrument, a live organ, it wasn't a VST instrument. Did you record it too hot? When you put the fader with no plugins on your session, after you recorded that track, if you put the fader with zero unity gain and hit play, does it clip? Does the red light come on at clipping? If it does, you recorded it too hot, and that could be your problem. Now, you can try turning down the clip gain of that recorded track a little bit to see if that's the problem, but once digital distortion is baked into the audio, there's no way to remove it. This is where you get into recording levels, and if you're recording in Studio One and you're someone that's fairly new to recording, I highly recommend you check out the course Recording in Studio One Artist Made Easy on my website, and again, wait till the end of the episode and you can get a discount on that course or any course on my website. But that teaches you on how to properly set recording levels to make sure that you don't get digital clipping. Because once you get that digital distortion and clipping, there's no way to remove it. And in this case, you said you got a perfect take. You don't want to have to redo it. This is why it's so important to understand basic recording fundamentals. And this is why I have this course, again, Recording in Studio One Artist Made Easy. So Adam, those are, the kind of, those are some of the things you need to check to maybe determine what your problem is. And if you still have an issue, you can write me again and I'll try to answer you. But you have to be a little bit more specific because again, I don't know if it's a VST. I don't know what your computer specs are. I don't know if it's a live organ. I don't know how you've recorded it. So all these issues, and there's, there's, a, there's other variables as well, but all these types of variables 
will dictate what the outcome that you're getting is. And so this is why when people write me questions like this that are very kind of generalized, it's hard for me to answer because there's 150 variables to this. <laughs> so I gave you the basic stuff to check. Okay, Adam, so hopefully that's helpful. And if you need any more help, let me know. Thanks for writing in, Adam. I do appreciate it. Okay, now let's get to the last question here. This is question three. This comes in from Yannick. And Yannick writes in, hey, David, I have a short question and would really appreciate if you can help me with this. I recently bought the J37 from Waves. That's he's talking about the J, the tape machine plugin. In one video on YouTube, you explain an, an analog workflow in the box, and you said that you use six a 16-track tape machine emulation as the first plugin on every channel, and a two-track tape machine as the last plugin on your master bus. Is there any possibility to set the amount of tracks inside the J37? Or is this fixed based on the emulation tape machine? Thank you in advance and have a great day, Yannick. Well, thanks Yannick for writing in, <clears throat> pardon me. So the J37, hold on here, pardon me. Let me take a sip of water. <sighs> Will that be edited out? Of course not. Are you crazy? <laughs> I don't have time for that. <laughs> anyway, thanks for writing in Yannick. So the J37 is a two-track tape machine. It's based on the J37 tape machine, the EMI tape machine out in Abbey Roads in London. Famous tape machine. There's no way to go inside and set the tracks. If you're looking for a multi-track tape machine, you need to buy a different plug-in. The J37 is a wonderful tape machine, but it's really made to be used on the master bus or on group channels. Yes, you can use it on individual channels. Here's the problem with the J37. It is a CPU hog, meaning that let's say you had 24 channels in your session, a 24 track mixing session. You probably couldn't put 24 instances of this across every single track. Your computer will come to a grinding halt. It's not made for that. You could put it on some individual tracks. You could put it on some group channels if you want, you know, depending on your computer and the specs and all the things we've been talking about in this episode. However, you're not going to be able to put a lot of them on there. I don't care what kind of computer you have. And it's really not made for that. What you want to look at is you want to look at a tape machine that is designed to have very low CPU usage that is maybe an emulation of, an, of, an, of a multi-track tape machine like the Ampex 800 and such. Um, one that comes to mind is the Slate Digital Virtual Tape Machine. Now that plugin I love, I use it all the time, and that's probably the YouTube video that you were suggesting because I've done many YouTube videos about tape machines, and that's one of the ones that I use quite often. That plugin is um, really, really great for two reasons. One, it sounds great. And two, it's really two plugins in one. It, the plugin with the flip of a toggle switch on the user interface goes from a model of a multi-track tape machine, which is based on the old um, Ampex tape machines. Um, and that has, you can put that on every single track in your session. And then when you flip the toggle switch in the opposite direction, it, 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 um, it emulates a two-track mastering tape machine, which you can put on your master bus. It's affordable. It sounds great, and you can put it on many, many tracks. Are there other companies that make great tape machines? Yes, there are. I have many YouTube channels on them. Um, everybody from IK Multimedia to Waves. Um, there's others, uh, Universal Audio, but you have to, in order to use Universal Audio, you have to have their um, either Apollo interfaces or the UAD2 UAD satellite systems, and they have great tape machines too. They have a few of them that are just fantastic. Um, universal audio but if you don't have universal audio i would say the slate digital the ik multimedia makes really good tape machines as well but again they are cpu hogs they're not 
emulated on multi-track tape machines or emulated on the two-track tape machines and they take a massive amount of CPU. They sound great. So there's only the only ones that I know of as of the recording of this podcast that I would use on multiple tracks across an entire session is the Slate Digital Virtual Tape Machine and also the the Ampex by Universal Audio, which is the multi to 24 track multi-track tape machine. There might be others on the market, but those are the two that I know that I own that I think are great. So the answer to your question is no, you can't set anything inside the J37. It's not meant to be used as a multi-track tape machine. It's meant to be used on a two bus um, or on a group channels. Um, do you have to put a tape machine on every single one of the on the tracks? You don't have to. That's just one workflow that I've shown you on YouTube. And again, if you want to learn more about the analog workflow and you want to learn more about how I set this up in different ways to think about working in the digital audio realm, but the way you would as an analog studio with some of these plugins, again, I have a course called mixing with analog style plugins made easy. I would highly recommend that to anybody. And I mean, anyone that owns a third party plugin that emulates an old piece of gear, whether it's a tape machine, a channel strip, emulating a console, whether it's EQs, compressors, 1176s, LA2As, the list goes on and on. If you have any of those plugins, even if you think that you know how to use them and get great mixes, I could promise you, you probably don't know them as well as you think and you, and you probably don't realize because you've never been shown because even the manufacturers who make these plugins don't teach you how to use these in the most effective way. There is a science and an analog workflow to get the most out of them as, as Yannick is suggesting here that I've shown in one of my YouTube videos. So I would highly recommend mixing with analog style plugins made easy. Again, link will be in the description box below at homerecordingmadeeasy.com. And if you stick around to the end of the episode, you're going to get a free, uh, you're going to be able to get a discount on that as well. So I hope that answers your question, Yannick, on the tape machine. If you have any other questions, certainly hit me up via the website. The link will be down below in the comments show notes section. So that is it for this week's podcast, the mailbag episode. Okay. Now, as I said, and I've been said a few times now throughout this episode, I want to give you a couple of free gifts. I want to help you with getting some of this additional training that you may require or want. So first of all, this is your first time here and you have not gone to homerecordingmadeeasy.com and get your free mixing course. It's right on the homepage. You can't miss it. It's a big orange button. It's a $50 mixing course. Actually, it's a $97 mixer course that I'm giving away for free. It's my gift to you just for visiting homerecordingmadeeasy.com. Go check that out today. And also, if you want to check out any of the paid training courses that I've mentioned in this episode or any other course on my website, I want to give you a 30% discount. Just use the coupon code PODCAST30 at checkout. Take 30% off any training course on the website. Again, all the links will be in the show notes below if you're listening to this on my website. If you're listening to this podcast on YouTube, it'll be in the description box. Go ahead, check it all out below. And if you have any other questions that you want me to feature on this podcast, maybe we'll do another mailbag episode coming up soon. Make sure you write me at homerecordingmadeeasy.com. And until next week's episode, I've been Dave with homerecordingmadeeasy.com mixingmadeeasy.net and mixingmusicanalog.com. My goodness, I'm involved in so many things. Go check it out. All the links again will be in the show notes below and I will speak to you all next week. Thanks for listening and take care.